Hey, today's episode is brought to you by Baba G DIY Edible Kits. Go to Oregon Baba.com. That's Oregon, you know the state, B-A-B-A dot com. Go there, you're gonna find some some kits, some DIY edible kits. You could get it, mix in whatever you have to mix in. Check it out again, that's OregonBaba.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of the Hey, Okay, Ha, Happy Hour. How are you guys doing? Are you doing well? Are you having a happy hour? Uh, throwing some back. Not that I condone drinking. What am I talking about? Of course I condone drinking. Just drink responsibly. Don't be, don't be silly. I am in South Dakota, y'all. I don't know why I said y'all. Nobody says y'all here. I like y'all though. Y'all's a good plural possessive. Plural, no, it's not possessive. Plural second person. Y'all, you all. No, I'm in South Dakota here on a little little vacation. Took a little 10-day vacation off. Uh, to come back to uh, Iowa, South Dakota. Maybe you head up to Minnesota. Maybe not. I don't know. See some friends and family. I did one little gig. I did a little a little set at a, a brewery in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The city that credit built. I love the word credit. <laughs> credit. Everybody loves credit. Who doesn't like extra credit? He doesn't get enough credit. You gotta give him credit. You get, credit's a good thing. You know, it's way better than, than uh, the word debt. Debt's a little, little less palatable. Palatable? Palatable. Credit. I'm just rambling right now because I gotta, I gotta admit it. Uh, I'm a little, little hungover. You can probably hear it in my voice. Um, it's the thing. You come, you come on vacation, and uh, you see some old friends. What do you do? Do you get together and drink hot chocolates? No, you do not. Do you get together and drink coffee and lattes? Maybe, maybe. But here, they fucking drink. And I have been away too long. I cannot keep up with these folks. Motherfuckers go hard on the alcohol. And I'm actually trying to quit drinking. Trying to quit. And I know all you Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Wars, I can always mix those two up. And all you nerds are saying, do or do not. There is no try. Right? Who says that? The, the little guy with talks in the passive voice. He mixes up his subjects and predicates. What was that? Yoder? Do or do not, there is no try. I get it. So I do not quit drinking. I do not quit drinking. Not yet. Whew. I've been watching the uh by the way, if you wanna if you wanna get thirsty, you want a documentary to <laughs> to get a little thirsty to watch the Ken Burns prohibition documentary <laughs> i don't know how you can watch that without a without a brew in your hand god bless you if you can but um 
you know, the Ken Burns. I would, at what point are we finally going to... I like the Ken Burns documentaries for the most part. But how many times can we slowly zoom in on a black and white photo with uh, some classical music in the background? And uh, I don't know who does the narration, but he does a real good job. He's on most of most of them. Um, but what just got, really got me was the uh, the intro, like the first episode of the Ken's Burn Prohibition documentary. It's all about, uh, you know, they cut to the, the experts and it's all, the gist is how, how wacky it was to have prohibition, how the hubris, how stupid were we to think that we could stop a substance by just making it illegal. How, how stupid was that? It's like, we still have prohibition. It, nothing's ended. Prohibition never ended. Prohibition doesn't refer to alcohol. Prohibition is a noun that refers to the prohibition, prohibiting something or many things. We still prohibit substances. We allow alcohol now, but we, we prohibit way more things now than we ever did during the 20s. Way, way more things are now prohibited. Way more humans are locked up in cages, fined, imprisoned, what have you, uh, for substances that are prohibited than were uh, in the 20s. So I don't, I just, it's just another example of how how uh, self-centered we are. Whatever time period we're in, we think that we, we, we got it figured out now. <laughs> Those idiots in the past were doing it the wrong way, but no, we got it figured out now. Well, we still got prohibition. I, I just can't believe they didn't make that connection. Or maybe they did and they just PBS, you know, it's government media. I like, I like how people trust NPR and PBS. It's fucking government media. We don't... <laughs> When we look at other countries and their government media put shit out, we're always quick to say, well, you can't, you can't trust the fucking China state media because it's fucking China state media. They market a little bit differently here, though, the state-run media. They market it towards, like, um, like self-fashioned intellectuals. You know what I mean? Like, they market it like the tone. You know, NPR, PBS. Um, it, it could be fucking retarded. But as long as they hit the right little notes and rhythms, it really, it really does something to, um, you know, effeminate forty-five-year-old pseudo-intellectuals in the outskirts of America's metropolitan cities. It really, uh, I don't know what it is. I can trust them. <laughs> Remember when the, the Pentagon told NPR, "Hey, uh, you can't use the word torture anymore," and NPR is like, "Okay, we won't use the word torture." I'm showing my age. This was like in the early two thousands. Like the State Department's like dictating to our to the state media how to how to phrase certain policies, which is what every fucking government state-run media does. It always cheerleads the establishment. That's the whole point of having fucking state-run media. But then our corporate media is even more beholden to government interests. That's what that's what confuses people because they see the government agenda in some of these. Whether I don't give a fuck if it's MSNBC or Fox News, it depends on which party's in power. But they take turns cheerleading for the establishment, which includes war. And I think we're going to see a lot of that coming up here. Um, it's time for more war. We got to protect ourselves. <laughs> uh, I like I like how we go over to other countries and start shooting at them. And then when they shoot back, we're like, what? They're evil. We went to the country, we're shooting. They, you know what these fucking evil fuckers did? They shot back. <laughs> we got to bomb them. We got to keep bombing them. Keep bombing them until there's nobody alive that wants us away. Oh, I'm getting sidetracked here. What were we talking about? Ken Burns, Prohibition. 
state-run media, NPR. Oh yeah, so you know maybe maybe the Ken Burns Prohibition documentary because it's state-run media, they're like, yo, don't don't let the audience make the connection between prohibiting alcohol and prohibiting. Uh, cocaine, marijuana, what have you? Pick your fucking substance. Don't don't make the connection between the the Al Capone and the mafia uh, assuming power uh, during the pro so called prohibition and uh, cartels that are running shit around nowadays. Yeah, don't don't make them put two and two together. They might start clamoring for some change. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. What's going on? Let's keep it rolling with the fucking government bullshit talk while I spill my goddamn coffee. Because I know last, the first episode, I was, I had some incoherent rant about uh, Alexa and Amazon CIA deal, and, and I probably never got her, well, I know I didn't get around to putting the link on the fucking thing, because I'm still learning the ropes on the website. So, um, I thought I, I, I should pull up the fucking story, so we know, at least I know, that I'm not, I wasn't hallucinating that shit. Now, it turns out it wasn't from The Guardian, it was from The Atlantic. And uh, this is from uh, uh, The Atlantic in July 17th, 2014. So this was just during the lead-up to Alexa. Uh, Alexa would come out, I believe, in November of that year. So I was still about uh, four months, four or five months away. But here's the deal that uh, opened the opened that possibility up. Atlantic, July 17th, 2014 technology section. Headline, the details about the CIA's deal with Amazon. Subhead, a $600 million computing cloud built by an outside company is a radical departure for the risk-adverse intelligent community. So that right there kind of sets the tone for the article. It's kind of a cheerleading article that's kind of like, wow, the the uh, CIA is really upping their game and getting with the times, the, the this hip hip intelligence community, they're, they're uh, getting smart with these contracts. Um, they don't mention any specifics about recording devices or any of that shit, but you can kind of put two and two together. Uh, listen here. The intelligence community is about to get the equivalent of an adrenaline shot to the chest. This summer, a $600 million computer computing cloud developed by Amazon Web Services for the Central Intelligence Agency over the past year will begin servicing all 17 agencies that make up the intelligence community. If the technology plays out as officials envision, it will usher in a new era, era of cooperation and coordination, allowing agencies to share information and services much more easily and avoid the kind of intelligence gaps that preceded the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. I like how they just throw 9-11 every time they justify this shit. For the first time, agencies within the intelligence community will be able to order a variety of on-demand computing and analytical services from the CIA and National Security Agency. What's more, they'll only pay for what they use. <laughs> so the subtext there is that, don't worry, taxpayers, it's, it's really going to be cost-effective. because um, You get the idea. So it's a computing cloud service with Amazon Web Services. Now what the fuck... This was literally four months before the unveiling of Alexa. So clearly they already had Alexa in, in the pocket when this, this uh, deal was hatched. Now this was written by uh, Frank Conkle. Frank Conkle's a fellow Big Ten uh, <laughs> journalism student. Shout out Michigan State, Frank Conkle. Um, and he, Frank Conkle writes about the intersection of government and technology. And he typically doesn't really approach it from a civil liberties angle. It's it's more of um, it's usually kind of 
uh, cheerleading. And which is good because when you do that, you can get more sources. <laughs> and sources are important. Um, so, so shout out Frank Conkle. But Frank Conkle, though, he also, he, he's the executive editor now of a, of a, of a, a web service called NextGov. NextGov. And just yesterday, NextGov released this story. And I think this is um, one of the most important news stories of this year. And it's, it's kind of terrifying. DHS to move biometric data on hundreds of millions of people to Amazon Cloud. So speak of the... I fucking mentioned... I didn't... This was yesterday. Now dig this. The department seeks a new platform to identify people using fingerprints, irises, and faces, and eventually DNA, palm prints, scars, and tattoos. The Homeland Security Department is looking to upgrade the software it uses to analyze biometric data on hundreds of millions of people around the globe, and it plans to store that information in Amazon's cloud. The agency's Office of Biometric Identity Management will replace its legacy biometric analysis platform called the Automated Biometric Identification System, or IDENT, with a new, more robust system hosted by Amazon Web Services, according to a request for information released Monday. Then I get a FOIA request to get this shit out. Uh, IDENT essentially serves as an enterprise-wide clearinghouse for troves of biometric and biographic data collected by the TSA, Customs and Border Protection, Secret Service, and other Homeland Security components. Do you understand what they're saying here? So that same Amazon cloud that's storing and recording all of your conversations now is going to have all your fucking touch ID, that shit you use to unlock your phone, your fingerprints, your face, all this shit, so everybody can be tracked. It's in total 250 million people. 250, so basically every American except for uh, very small children. What more do they need to, to have at this point? The system links fingerprint iris and face data to biometric information, allowing officials to quickly identify suspected terrorists, immigration violators, criminals, and anyone else included in their databases. And anyone else. Keyword there. It's 250 million people. You don't think political dissidents are going to be on that list? You don't think so. That's what kills me about these uh, the so-called Trump resistance. Where the fuck are they on this? If you really believe this is a totalitarian fucking guy that is interested in rounding up people, deporting them, and fucking with the left, and rounding them up eventually, and putting them in gulags and, and homosexuals and whatnot, why are you not protesting this? Why? This is like front and center in your face. This is like in dystopian authoritarian regimes, this is the last step before motherfuckers just start disappearing. And everybody clams up because they're afraid they'll be disappeared. This is literally the last step. And we're in uncharted tar territory now with this technology and the algorithms they can use and the AI to do this pretty fucking efficiently. Where the fuck are you on this protest? Why, because they didn't use a bad word or un offensive language in this press release that it doesn't offend you? Do you? Or are you just that dense it doesn't get through to you? Are you that easily swayed by a certain perspective that a journalist will use to, to kind of shift your, your view? Are you that fucking easily manipulated? I don't fucking know. I mean, there used to be such a thing called investigative journalism. Like when I was a kid... I would call myself a kid. I was age 23 to 26. I was a reporter. 
And every investigative story starts as what is now called a conspiracy theory. And which is a funny term because everything is, is a, a conspiracy just means more than one person organizing something that they'd rather not be known or made public. Every organized criminal syndicate is a conspiracy. Every government is a conspiracy. That's the fucking name of the game. It's people wielding power behind the scenes, doing their damnedest to make sure that information doesn't see the light of day. Every government throughout history operates this way. What makes you think you live under the first one that doesn't operate this way? In fact, truth be told, you live under the government that operates the most extreme that way. So, I remember I did a story where they were... It was the lead-up to the 2008 Republican National Convention in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I got a tip that the FBI was recruiting small-time criminals, guys that got busted maybe tagging a, a wall or graffiti shit, and hatching a deal with them where they would um, have them be moles. They would have them... Uh, <laughs> this is true. You can fucking look this story up. I'll, I'll put it on the website. This is their word, the FBI's word. Vegan potlucks. <laughs> they were going to infiltrate vegan potlucks and co uh, collect intelligence information on uh, peace activist groups. This is back when there was still a modicum of an anti-war sentiment in the U.S. And so the, because the Republicans were behind the wars then, so the, you know, there's a more natural fit, the anti-war with the Democratic Party. At least the Democratic Party was pretending to be against the war um, at that point. So it was, it was seen as kind of a right right-wing movement or a right-wing policy on behalf of the FBI. Well, the night before the convention, the FBI swarmed in and arrested um, dozens of so-called anarchists who were, uh, you know, camping in, not camping, you know, housing up in, in rental homes. No Airbnb back then, Airbnb back then, but kind of the equivalent. A lot of people coming in from out of town to attend these conventions and to protest or whatever the hell, you know. Anywho, they rounded these guys up, arrested them. Amy Goodman was one of them. The democracy now, they, they detained her for a bit. She was like climbing a fence. The police got her. Um, so I was reporting on that shit. And the last night of the convention, there was a, a, a protest march. And I was one of, you know, I don't know, a couple dozen reporters following along. Fully credentialed. Credentials around our, our neck. Could have been in the fucking uh, convention center or the, the, the arena there listening to John McCain's acceptance speech. But, you know, what, what are you going to, what's going to happen? It's just boilerplate bullshit. So go out there to see where there might be a conflict because the police and the military, well, basically the militarized police were kind of, um, in the three days of the convention, very, uh, man, they, they were menacing. It was like fucking stormtroopers. And there was the occasional standoffs with protesters and it was like they were trying to goad the protesters into to doing something stupid. Anyway, the last night of the convention, nothing crazy happens. So after 5 p.m., uh, the protesters had to have a uh, a permission slip. They had to get a permit to protest. <laughs> and their permit expired at 5 p.m. Just think about that for a second. You need a permit to protest and it can expire? Well, that's not a right to assembly then. That's not a right. That's a privilege. A right can't fucking expire at a certain time. That's not a fucking right. They said you need a permit to protest. Oh, you 
your permit expired at 5 p.m they had a dragnet these motherfuckers had us surrounded and they uh, popped up some flash grenade uh flashbang grenades those things that just make this really loud explosion scare the shit out of you not dangerous allegedly but that shit's scary fucking tear gas everybody starts running they have us surrounded guns drawn we're on our knees they hand there's i'm sitting next to a guy from mtv news uh there's this dude from the uh, pioneer press two guys down we're sitting on the curb handcuffed hogtied with like white wire or some shit then they haul us into the street take our our mug shots and fingerprints in the middle of the goddamn streets and then they haul us off to some holding fenced in chain link fence holding pens and a parking ramp in st paul and detained us for till about three or four in the morning as a credentialed journalist like the, the protesters shouldn't have been arrested for sure but the fucking it, anyway shit like that you mentioned that it's that stuff starts out as a conspiracy theory no shit sherlock no shit. That's how all investigative journalism gets done. It starts off as a conspiracy quote theory. You go out and talk to sources, you prove it or disprove it. If you have enough sources, it's a, it's not a fucking theory. By the way, young journalists, if you, if you want to... Uh... Never mind. We'll say that for a later episode. <laughs> but... Yeah, so we got Amazon having a cloud. Uh, let's recap. Amazon has a cloud recording everybody's conversation and is has a data, database on 250 million people's face irises, their eye, eyeballs, fingerprints, the works, biometric, biometric, their biology, and soon to have their DNA in a fucking cloud. If China was doing that shit, you know how our media would frame it? We'd be like, oh my God, look at how the authoritarian Chinese regime has everybody a lockdown. We used to give China shit because they had cameras everywhere. Now we have cameras everywhere too. How, how can we point the finger at any government and say they surveil? Oh, look how authoritarian they are. We What, just because we farm it out, we do fucking bidding contracts with allegedly private companies? I mean, at the end of the day, Amazon's basically a component of the government with you know, a $600 million contract, which again is like double the valuation of the Washington Post, another one of their assets. Yeah, go read the Washington Post for a good time. <laughs> oh, boy, what a... God, I'm a fucking... I'm just an angry little asshole when I'm hungover, aren't I? With my hoarse voice, my anti-government rants. Boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get disappeared. <laughs> oh. What else is going on in the news today? Let's forget about the news for a second. Let's forget about that. Let's talk about simulation theory. And no, I don't mean the, the Muse album. Um, everybody here in South Dakota, Iowa, there's a lot of people into simulation theory. I'm, I'm overhearing conversations about, you know, simulation theory. It's kind of a weird thing to eavesdrop on. It was a weird topic. It's simulation theory, the idea that reality, as we're experiencing, is a simulation. Basically, it's a, uh, a virtual reality. Um created elsewhere and, and, and all of reality is is basically a, a video game and you know the old i remember I, I had you know how you're sorry for that i'm recording this in a car i open the door it's, it's a little getting a little hot in here getting a little hot so hot in here um you know the, the simulation idea i remember i had that stoned idea when i was like 19 or 20 
you know, you're in college, you're smoking the herb, you have these deep, what you think are deep thoughts. I thought it was the most original, far out thought ever. And then I learned later that, like, yeah, it's, it's called simulation theory. And, uh, anywho, nowadays, it's, everybody knows about that shit. I, crazy. And I was, uh, but here's my thing. Like, I was telling two fellas I was shooting pool with at a downtown bar in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So they shooting pool, talking about simulation theory. And here's my, my take is, so if you, let's say at some point we create a simulation that you can tap into, like we're streaming data through your, your eardrums and your eyeballs. And it's, it's, it's the same exact, uh, authenticity as so-called reality. You can opt into that. Well, you really have to put a lot of, and you could even, you could even program it such that if you, when you do opt into the simulation, that you forget about your past, this present reality. You could probably do that. And um, if that is possible, it's probably already happened, and that's why we're living this. So goes the argument. And each time civilization reaches a point where they can create a, a simulation, it's another layer, it's another universe, right? So let's say we create a new simulation in this reality, you can tap in. You have to have a lot of faith in the architects of that simulation because you're really, it's a leap of faith because these are, these are just people that are going to be, this is just some, you know, fucking pit stained Dorito. I already used pit stained as a, as, <laughs> as an insult. Uh, you know, just some fucking virgin in Palo Alto coding shit. You're going to trust him for your consciousness like, if you could download, upload your consciousness onto a computer, what's to stop some evil motherfucker from just, like, torturing you and keeping you conscious forever and, like, tapping into your greatest fear or pain or whatever? And just, you're just trusting a fellow human to that shit? You know what I mean? And so, there might come a point where we have to make a decision. Do we opt into a simulation and try to strive for immortality? Or do we trust this reality that we live under? And say, no, I will not go into the simulation. I will stay in this one. Thank you very much. That might be what a lot of religions have been trying to describe. You know, heaven, hell. Like, if you do opt into the simulation, you end up getting tortured to death by some fucking weird weird software guy. You're in fucking hell. But if you trust the creator, because you know the creator of this simulation, no matter what else, you, you could certainly agree that it's a superior life form to us. To have... if. You know what I mean? Whoever engineered, architected, is that a verb? Made this reality. Certainly they're in a higher plane than we are. So I could, you know, you could make the argument you're better off uh, trusting the that architect and uh, not opting into whatever fucked up simulation they come up with you to, to uh, seduce you away from your creator. Does that make any fucking sense? I'm not going off a, 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 a outline or shit here. So if this is getting rambly jambly, that is why. And um, and this is only the second podcast, okay? And why am I getting so defensive? I'm just creating naysayers in my head. I don't know. Lay off, hypothetical naysayer. All right, I got to take a break here and get some fucking water. It's hot in here, man.